This program is brought to you from the Margaret Farrell Studio. Hi, welcome to Newsmakers. I'm your host this week, Emily Fannin, and I'm joined by the two state party chairs of Wisconsin. I have Ben Wickler from the Democratic Party and Brian Schimming from the Republican Party. Thank you both for joining me this week. Thank you. Great to be here. So first, you know, we're about three weeks out from Election Day and just wanted to check in how things are going. Of course, there's a lot of tension on the high-stakes state Supreme Court race, and of course, you want to excite your base. So Brian, let's start with you. Um, how are things going since the primary? Well, the one thing Ben and I agree on for sure is that uh, it's the biggest race in the country. So as I've been traveling the state, which I have a fair amount, I've been on the road this past weekend. The unity has been good. Post-primary, actually, it's been very, very good. And uh, so we're excited about that. And our county organizations are great. They are really terrific. People are into it. Uh, we have hundreds of volunteers out knocking on doors. Uh, we have paid staff out there. It's been, uh, it's come together very nicely. Of course, this is a busy time. Uh, so, Ben, how are things going with your organization as well? I've never seen this level of energy in a spring election in Wisconsin or, I guess, anywhere in the country. Across Wisconsin, folks who got involved to defeat Trump or to win the governor's race last year and folks who have not been involved before see the April 4th election as the one chance to try to undo this outrageous 1849 abortion ban to to vote for a Supreme Court justice who won't automatically rubber stamp the ultra-gerrymandered maps from the Republican Party. So it's like everything is on the line, and we're seeing people coming out of the woodwork to get involved and help elect Janet Protasiewicz. I do want to talk about specific counties, too. Now, Brian, always the challenge for Republicans is making inroads in Dana, Milwaukee. Now, you've made some progress in the Milwaukee area, for sure, looking at the past uh, statewide elections. Right. But Dane, particularly, I mean, look at that primary race uh, in February. There was massive turnout by Republicans. So how are you looking, or by Democrats, excuse me, how are you working to make inroads specifically here in Dane? Well, being from Dane County, I'm a native here of Madison, and so uh, Dane County stays close to me. But we've had great volunteer support here and really whether it's here or statewide in Milwaukee or the other bigger counties around the state the contrast between the liberal Janet Protasiewicz and Dan Kelly is a very very stark one uh, they have to talk about all sorts of issues she doesn't you know she doesn't want to debate Dan Kelly they've, they've agreed she's agreed to one out of 12 invitations that were out there uh, because she doesn't want to talk about her record and so whether it's in Dane or Milwaukee or whatever when people are clear including in Dane County. The difference between the two candidates, I think Dan Kelly wins. Now, Ben, traditionally the challenge for Democrats is the rural parts of Wisconsin. We saw uh, during the midterms a Republican pick up uh, Congressman or former Congressman Ron Kine's seat to Republican Derek Van Orden. And during the primary, Dan Kelly did pick up some rural counties to help him carry him through the general. So how specifically, I guess, uh, are you guys focused on the rural parts of Wisconsin? Rural voters are such a major factor for both Democrats and Republicans. They're independents in rural Wisconsin. And in this election, Janet Protasiewicz is traveling all throughout Wisconsin, through the Northern Third, through uh, rural areas and suburbs and cities alike. What she's finding is that wherever you go, people want a, a Supreme Court that actually looks at the law and the Constitution and doesn't just automatically rubber stamp the Republican Party agenda. And especially on issues around abortion and reproductive freedom, you can see the results in the primary where Janet, her map looked like Tammy Baldwin's 2018 map, a, a landslide across the state with a lot of rural counties that actually went for her over Dan Kelly. So that, I think, 
bodes well for us as we go into the general. We're going to keep communicating on radio and in every channel possible. Folks are driving, you know, a mile down gravel roads to knock on the doors of, of uh, farmers' houses and make sure that they know the stakes on April 4th. And that's making a difference. Now, Brian, historically, it's been a little bit easier task for Democrats to unite after a primary because, you know, there was still a little bit of bitterness and sourness uh, between both uh, candidates in the state Supreme Court race specifically. Um, you mentioned this a little bit that you feel that Republicans are united this election. I guess uh, how can you guys guarantee that and how are you working to maybe some people are still uh, not fully behind Dan Kelly in this race or people ask me the question and I'm not seeing it. I mean, every I've been to, I don't know how many events, a dozen events at least since the primary, and I'm not seeing that at all. What I am seeing is great, great unity around Dan Kelly, and so that's been terrific. But there's a reason for great unity, too. Janet Protozawitz, uh, as far as I'm concerned, I hope she's traveling the state and talking, because the more she talks, the more she gets herself in trouble. I mean, we now know that she's prejudging cases already uh, on the congressional maps, on abortion, and on other issues that are going to come before the court. She's been very public about it. I, this is my, I don't know how many, I've, former boss Dave Prosser was on the Supreme Court, I've never seen a candidate on either side prejudge cases like she's been prejudging cases before she gets on the court. So there are a list of conservative reforms we've had in this state in the last 25 years, including school choice, uh, the MAPS, Act 10, whatever. We'll be uh, interested to see how Janet Protasiewicz talks about those issues. Yeah, and this kind of brings into the next thing I want to bring up was the issues in this race. You know, Janet Protasiewicz has been, you know, uh, I, I guess conservatives and Republicans have been very highly critical of what she has said, specifically calling the state uh, maps rigged and, you know, having a lot of ads and talking about the possibility of the 1849 challenge coming before um, the high court. I guess, do you feel it's important in this race for Protosawitz and judicial candidates to be outspoken on these issues, and why? Well, I get that the GOP is critical. They like the rigged maps, and they support the 1849 abortion ban. And so having someone share her own values about those questions is obviously something they're not very pleased about. She also says in every speech, as any judge or justice should, that she wouldn't prejudge a specific case. She's being transparent about her values and also will approach the bench with the mind of a jurist, which is different from Dan Kelly, who approaches it in the, 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 with the mindset of a Republican Party activist. Uh, he was actually on the Republican Party's payroll uh, as, a, as a paid legal advisor. He was on the Big Lie election integrity tour with Michael Gableman. Uh, he is a dyed-in-the-wool Federalist Society GOP judicial activist who wants to get back on the state Supreme Court so he can keep rigging the state for Republican control and to, and to make sure that abortion ban stays cemented in place. Uh, those are the stakes in this race. And there really is a question for the public about whether they want a rogue court that operates as a third branch of the Republican-controlled state legislature or a Supreme Court that looks at the law and the Constitution and allows the, the judicial process to take its, its due course. Brian, I see you're shaking your head there. Do you want to respond to that? Janet Protasiewicz will get judged on her record as a judge and as an assistant DA, and it's not a pretty sight. I mean, you talk about issues that voters care about. They care about their personal safety. They care about her view of the Constitution and the court's role. She has made it very clear that she's prejudging cases already, which in my 30 years of watching state judicial races in this state, I, I hear it from both sides. They've never seen uh, the kind of prejudging that you're seeing from Janet Protasiewicz. So she's showing already she's willing to be unethical before she even gets to the court. And it begs the question, if she's this bad now, how bad will she be after April? 
Ben, uh, Protosevitz has been asked specifically whether she would recuse herself from certain cases. She said if the Democratic Party of Wisconsin was named and won, she would consider recusing herself because of her recent exception of the $2.5 million that you gave to her campaign. But, you know, her talking about uh, the abortion ban, very outspoken, as Brian has mentioned. We haven't really seen a lot of judicial candidates talk this way about a big issue uh, that really gins up a lot of voters. So I guess in the scenario if she is elected to the high court, why shouldn't she recuse herself um, from the 1849 challenge? Well, a, a judge, a justice, should make decisions based on the lawsuit, who's bringing it, whether they have standing, what the law says, what the Constitution says. They shouldn't bring their own values into it. And that is her commitment. She's shared her values, and she's also shared her judicial philosophy. I think there's a real contrast between that and Dan Kelly, who has a record of recusing himself and then getting campaign contributions and then unrecusing himself on those same cases where the donors were the litigants. And with the Republican Party of Wisconsin, which paid him directly into his own pocket, he has said that he would make a case-by-case decision about recusals. Janet has pledged to recuse herself if the Democratic Party of Wisconsin is the litigant in a case. There's a real ethics gap, and Dan Kelly is on the unethics side of that gap. Uh, I think that's a real contrast in this race, and I think voters want someone who maintains a high standard of integrity on the Supreme Court. Now, Dan Kelly has been endorsed by state and national anti-abortion groups, but he is kind of taking the opposite approach of Protosewitz. He's not really talking about how, what his beliefs are about that, despite some past blog posts that indicate um, that how he may rule on abortion, I should say. Do you think avoiding talking about the abortion issue, Brian, is a good strategy for Republicans? It's not a matter of whether it's a good strategy. It's it's a question of an ethical strategy. And the, the big lie in the ad about Dan Kelly and the whole abortion issue, which is so transparently phony uh, by her campaign because he had recused himself from a case. And when he went back on the case after the election, he asked both sides whether it was okay. And the other side didn't object. So it's a baloney issue. The bigger issue is whether... Dan Kelly, who will who will judge by the law and what's in the statute, not by what her, not by what his values are, which Janet Protosewitz keeps talking about, and yet what Janet Protosewitz is doing is dog whistling all the groups that she needs to support her in this election. She's pretty transparent about it, which is why I say the more she wants to talk, the better we are for it. Now, Dan, Dan Kelly has consistently emphasized his devotion to the Constitution. I should say he really likes that word, uh, if you've talked to him, uh, even in interviews. In your opinion, is that a winning strategy? Uh, does that really connect with voters of him talking about the Constitution? What he's talking about is the Constitution, but also uh, is fealty to state law. Because really what the Supreme Court is, is the highest law court of review uh, in a state, in any state. And so it's important for him to judge the law based on what's in front of him, not on, you know, election year propaganda, which which, uh, Janet Protosewitz apparently feels very comfortable about, which is ethically challenged. I think what Janet Protosewitz will get judged on is her record as a... uh, circuit court judge in Milwaukee County and as an assistant district attorney. And I think you'll see that laid out pretty plainly in the next three weeks. Yeah, we're seeing this crime theme come up again, which we saw during the midterms. And, and, you know, it worked well for some candidates, you know, say Ron Johnson. He hit crime very uh, a lot on the campaign trail during uh, the midterms. Now, right now we're seeing Republicans and conservatives hit 
Protosawitz, like you mentioned, on her record as a Milwaukee County judge. I guess it didn't work well for all candidates. Michaels also talked about violent crime in Milwaukee, and he lost to Governor Tony Evers. I guess how are you trying to combat the the crime messaging that we keep uh, seeing brought forth by Republicans in the past few elections? We know why the GOP is focused on crime. Of course, everyone has a legitimate concern for public safety. That's why Janet Protosawitz spent 25 years as a prosecutor, as a victim's rights advocate, and then served on the bench and sentenced in in many, 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 many cases, which Republicans have looked under a microscope to cherry pick uh, moments that they can mischaracterize. But the key thing when you think about this race is who actually has devoted their life to public safety. And that's Janet Protasewicz. Who's devoted their life to the rule of law? That's Janet Protasewicz. Who was actively involved in the fake elector plot to try to overturn the presidential election after 2020? That's Dan Kelly. And that's a, a fundamental contrast in this election. What do you say to voters, though, who say, I don't feel safe and I am voting because of what's because of crime, of what's going on in my community. I would say to those voters, Janet Protosawitz has been working to protect you for as as long as some voters have been alive. Uh, This is somebody who is a lifelong dedicated public servant. Dan Kelly had his choice of career options and everyone is entitled to a lawyer, everyone accused of a serious crime. Dan Kelly chose to work defending people accused, adults accused of serious child sex crimes as his, uh, as his professional path, and then worked in Republican politics, advising Wisconsin right to life on their legal path, working with the Republican Party on their, uh, on their voter suppression tactics and, and trying to overturn the 2020 election. That's the path he chose. I think if you're looking for a public servant who's concerned about public safety, democracy, freedom, you should vote for Janet Protasewicz. Brian, anything you want to respond to the issue? Janet Protasewicz's record of letting child child rapists out uh, with almost no bail or in, there's a number of cases that Janet Protasewicz has to answer for. In fact, she has answered for them and come back and said on that one case and others that she wouldn't have changed her judgment, even with the perspective of time. You know, looking back, well, that deserves some scrutiny. Janet Protasewicz is running away from a record. That's why she won't debate Dan Kelly. She's only agreed to one uh, debate between now and the election. If I were her, I'd be hiding her record as well, but the record will be well known by election day. Now, speaking of the issues here, we know the court right now is 4-3, but it's up for grabs, right? Uh, Now, some fear that if Janet Protosawitz were elected, we could see a series of lawsuits um, be brought forth challenging some really big Republican accomplishments over the last few years. I know, Brian, you brought up Act 10 as well. We could see absentee ballot uh, voting come up before the court again. Is that something that you guys are kind of talking to volunteers about, to be talking to voters about? Or or how are you relaying that message uh, to uh, people to excite them, I guess, to go to the polls? Well, the biggest thing is that Attorney General Call, Governor Evers, have already sued to challenge the 1849 abortion ban. And they've pointed out that the legislature passed a different law in the 1980s that clearly supersedes the law from 1849. But the the far-right extremist anti-abortion groups that support the almost total ban on abortion with no exceptions for rape or incest starting at zero weeks from 1849, those groups have gone to bat to support Dan Kelly. And the question that every Wisconsin voter should know is, who do you want on the Supreme Court when that case currently moving its way through the court system reaches the state Supreme Court? Do you want someone who is 
provided legal advice to anti-abortion extreme groups? Or do you want someone who will actually look at the law of the Constitution and make a fair decision? Is it fair to say, though, that Democrats are preparing some lawsuits to challenge right to work, uh, the state legislative maps there? You guys are kind of ready to go if you do get a victory. I, I mean, Janet Protasiewicz has, has been very clear that she will recuse herself if the Democratic Party is a litigant, and I don't anticipate that the, the party would be bringing litigation. I would also say there are probably lots of folks who have known that the court was essentially prejudging cases for the Republican Party agenda for years now. So there's probably you know pent up litigation that folks would be would bring if they knew it could get a fair shake before the court. The same way that Wisconsin Institute for Law and Liberty bringing voter suppression cases to ban drop boxes brought them because it knew how this Supreme Court would rule, which is to take on the ultra mega agenda rather than looking at the law and our constitution in its decisions. Brian, is that something that you're talking to voters about specifically, is what could happen uh, if you know the court sure. was uh, switched for uh, liberals in the majority? Well, we are, and Janet Protasiewicz is helping us because she's unethically prejudging cases that she knows will come before the court. So her little game about saying, well, if the Democratic Party is a plaintiff in a suit in front of the court, Democratic Party isn't going to be the plaintiff in front of the suit. They know that somebody else will bring the suit on the maps. They, they always talk about, I've been through three redistricting, they, they always talk about redistricting issues. Uh, redistricting didn't affect Ron Johnson getting reelected or others, any statewide Republican victory. So the redistricting thing's a game, but she knows that the Democratic Party won't bring that suit. He'll, he'll get to save legal counsel money on that. Uh, third parties will bring it. She knows that, and that's why it was cheap for her to say it. But she has a history of prejudging cases, and we'll see more of why that's a problem to the voters of the state on issues that they're concerned about. All right, let's move on to money, because boy, oh boy, <laughs> there has been a lot of money invested in the state Supreme Court race. According to a count by WizPolitics, the race is now topping over $25 million. Of course, we all know here in this room that breaks national and state records. So just want to put some numbers into perspective. Since the primary, Protosawitz campaign and her supporters have spent more than $10.1 million on TV, radio, and digital. Now, the groups backing Kelly have spent about five. Now, this was according to a count that I calculated on Friday with uh, Wiz Politics as well. Now, if you break that down into groups of who is spending the most, too, uh, the top general spenders, of course, are Protosawitz. We just got some, we saw some investments from WMC, the Issues Mobilization Council, about $3 million, Fair Courts America, about $1.7 million, and the Liberal Group of Better Wisconsin, $1.1 million. So, Looking at these numbers, I mean, the question now, of course, with Protosawitz in the lead, Brian, I'm sure you're getting a lot of questions about this, is how do you plan to combat that level of spending? I think, well, first of all, millions of dollars coming in, almost all of it from out of state for Janet Protosawitz. I mean, in the days before the primary, she had five $20,000 max outs, all of them from out of five or 10, all of them from out of state. So the money's pouring in from national liberal and left-wing groups for Janet Protosawitz because they want to flip the court. It's that simple. Why we're getting so much attention from national Democrat groups. So I'm, you know, uh, Dan's fundraising and our fundraising has been very well the last couple of months. We've, we've raised more money than we did in all of 2021 and, uh, and very close to all of 22 right now, almost all of it in state. So the Dems are pouring in from out state to flip the court 
And uh, that's why Janet Protosiewicz is in this race, and that's why we appreciate the opportunity to contrast with her, whether it's on TV, radio, or digital, because when the voters of the state understand who she is, a liberal uh, judge and ADA versus Dan Kelly's sticking to the law and adhering to the Constitution, they'll vote for Dan Kelly. Uh, ben, in the situation, say, 20 million comes to Dan Kelly overnight. Do you plan to match that or even put more into the race? We're putting out word to anyone who cares about the future of freedom and democracy that this, this race is for all the marbles. Wisconsin's the pivotal state in the country, in the Electoral College, the Senate race to re-elect Tammy Baldwin, the, the presidential election in 2024. There are House seats on the line. Uh, and for the future of freedom in Wisconsin to access a safe and legal abortion, all of these things make this race so high stakes. That's why when Dan Kelly was campaigning in the primary, he was going around saying that there were special interests with his words, specific concerns that would come before the court that he pledged would put $20 million into his campaign. So we have been raising money and, and, and making sure that we can fully fund Janet Protasiewicz's uh, response and her communication and make sure that grassroots Democrats all over the state have what they need to be able to talk to voters and, and make the case. In the final stretch, who knows what might happen? And we will do everything we possibly can to make sure that Dan Kelly and especially his special interest donors who poured money into Ron Johnson's campaign last year and are doing the same thing for Dan Kelly right now can't buy this race. You know, the, the right-wing groups that are funding these ads, uh, we don't know who their donors are in many cases. We don't know whether they're in-state or out-of-state or, or who's backing them. Dan Kelly outsourced his entire TV advertising campaign in the primary to Fair Courts America, which is funded by the biggest funders of the Stop the Steal campaign after the, the 2020 election. Uh, this really is whether you want right-wing, dark-money, special-interest donors to control the Supreme Court, or whether you want a justice who will stand up for freedom, democracy, the Constitution, and the rule of law. Brian, has, uh, I guess, when will the party, if, uh, if the party will give uh, Kelly the campaign some money from the state? Yeah, we've been providing a lot of assistance to the campaign, not so much on the broadcast side, but in the field. And, and so we've been working uh, a lot with the campaign, providing a lot of assistance. And as I said before, as I travel the state, our grassroots and the field people have been dynamite. They've really, really stepped up. I've, I've almost never seen anything like it. So they know what's at stake here, and that is the attempt by Janet Protosiewicz and the left in this state to erase 25 years of reform, including on issues like school choice. And since she's been so unethically open about talking about issues before you know, she wins the election or you would even get to the court, it makes it easier. The, the voters in this state will know the difference between Dan Kelly and Janet Protosiewicz and her soft on crime positions in Milwaukee is not going to go over anywhere, including here. How is fundraising going for you specifically? Of course, you're semi-new to the role, and uh, there's always been a challenge to compete with the man next to you uh, uh, when it comes to raising funds for the state party. Now, last period that you reported, it was roughly around $55,000. Yeah. Do you plan to double that? I mean, can you give us any inklings of uh, how much you're going to be at? Very much multiples above that. Right. I've had a very, very good couple of months here. As I say, uh, uh, more money just in this year alone than we did in, in all of 21 and almost almost now in all of 22. So fundraising's been going very, very well, and the grassroots support that we have around the state has been terrific, really good. So I'm, I'm feeling good. All right. Now, we've talked a lot about 
the high-stakes election, the state Supreme Court race. But I also want to talk about the 8th Senate District. Now, the seat is vacant because Republican Senator Alberta Darling resigned from the state legislature. So putting into perspective of viewers who might not know what is at stake at this area is that the two-thirds majority in the Senate, if a Republican wins, that would be enough votes to give them the power to impeach government officials, officers, cabinet secretaries, possibly even the governor. Is that a message that both parties are talking about on the campaign trail at all? I mean, you might not be, but is that something that, you know, Democrats are trying to let voters know in a very Republican red district that, hey, this is what is uh, this is what also is on the ballot here? I think the central message in that race, as in the Supreme Court race, is about the, the basic freedom to access a safe and legal abortion and how Dan Canodal, on both democracy, writing to Mike Pence to try to overturn the 2020 election right before January 6th, and on questions of reproductive freedom, has been so far on the wrong side. It's, it's hard. You need to use binoculars to see how, how far to the right he is. Uh, this question around impeachment, you know, there's only one time when the state legislators tried to uh, do an impeachment in Wisconsin, that was of a Supreme Court justice. And I am concerned about what the GOP might be trying to do to circumvent democracy. Um, but the, the number one thing is to make sure that every voter knows that whether the state Senate could try to override Governor Evers's veto on questions of reproductive freedom could absolutely be on the line in this election. And if folks want to make sure that democracy isn't overridden, they should vote for Jody Hebersinekin. As Ben mentioned, it's been very va- rare that the Senate has used these impeachment powers, and it's rarely happened. Um, but is that something that you think the Dan no, Canoda, the, the Republicans the should be talking want to bring about up or selling to voters? Because there's such a contrast between these candidates and other issues. Look, Dan Canoda's a pretty well-known commodity down there. It's a, it's a you know, slightly Republican district, but it's Dan Canoda is working hard. He's got a great record on taxes and spending and all the big issues that come up, including crime, uh, in front of the voters of this state. So they can, they can dog whistle and they can do all that sort of thing and say, oh, everybody's going to get impeached. And, well, that's a... That's not what the campaign is about. The voters of that district know that, and they will know the difference between these two candidates. And it's very, very stark because she is very, very left-wing. So when they get the uh, chance to compare the two candidates, as they're doing right now, Dan Canola's on for the state Senate. All right, now I want to look ahead to 2024, right? Let's take a deep breath. We're not there yet, but there's a lot of commotion (laughs) going on because, of course, Wisconsin will be on the map as a battleground state because the Republican National Convention will be hosted in Milwaukee. There's also going to be a presidential primary debate that will be hosted in Milwaukee as well. So a lot of excitement is building up for your party, Brian, too, because it was comes after kind of a somewhat disappointing uh, Democratic uh, National Convention in 2020, which, of course, was peak pandemic. But now it's Republicans' uh, turn to really capitalize on this opportunity. So I guess, um, how are things going, planning for the big event? And I guess the big lingering question is who might be the nominee, right? Yeah, hard to know. We're happy that Milwaukee will benefit. I'm, I'm very excited for Milwaukee because I've I spent a lot of time there over the years and have offices there over the years. So I'm happy for the city because it's good for the city and the area. Having a convention, I said the same when the Democrats are going to come in. It's, it's a terrific opportunity for the city. But with the debate coming already here this August, uh, not not a date set, yet, but for the debate coming this August. Next year, we're happy to contrast against the Democrats. Look, for, you know, for, uh, Wisconsin has had 11 elections in the last 22 years that have been within 30,000 votes statewide, right? So it's, it's a purple state. But uh, President Biden's upside down in this state. 
and he has been for over two years. His numbers in the state are terrible, and there's a reason for that. Uh, when you have people, when the, co when the cost of living has been outpaced by inflation for 22 straight months in a row, people are not happy with the Democrats in this state. That's part of the reason they reelected Ron Johnson. So we like the contrast as well that the Republican National Convention will bring to Milwaukee and bring to Wisconsin uh, we're excited about the opportunity to showcase our folks versus where the Democrats are going to be, who is with a president that only 36% of the Democrats think ought to run for a second term. Now, President Biden has not made a formal announcement that he's going to seek re-election, but there's a lot of rumors that he might. Now, do you want to see more Democrats, I guess, throw their hat and, and run against him? Do you think I, that's good for democracy? I'm so excited for President Biden and Vice President Harris to run for re-election. Their record is extraordinary. And you could see when President Biden delivered his State of the Union address and then made Wisconsin his first visit right afterwards and came here to Wisconsin, his message is electrifying. His record speaks to people's direct lived concerns around their pocketbooks, strong union jobs, building the future here in our state. And the contrast between that and the Republican civil war, the, the extremism within the right between Donald Trump and Ron DeSantis trying to leapfrog each other to alienate and divide the country and fail to speak at all to, to the pocketbook concerns of working Wisconsinites and, and folks across the country. You know, every election is a choice, and I think this is a choice where folks in our state, the more they see from these these uh, MAGA Republicans, the more they're going to be voting for for Joe Biden in 2024. Well, there's I, always I, I like Ben, but he's got to be the only person I've ever met that referred to Joe Biden as electrifying. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, the the message I will say he's, the thing about Joe Biden, he is not the flashiest guy in the world. He is a steady leader that people don't have to wake up in the middle of the night worrying that their phones are going to bring some new horror to the, to the well, well, uh, notification the polling, screen. None of the polling backs you up on that because the people of the state are saying thumbs down on Joe Biden and they've been doing it for almost three years straight now. Yeah, so really Joe, Joe, Joe Biden's in Wisconsin for a reason because if the election were held tomorrow, he would lose Wisconsin and the latest Marquette poll showed he was uh, seven points behind Ron DeSantis in Wisconsin already. So Joe Biden's, there's a, I mean, you're right, there's a reason Joe Biden's in Wisconsin. It's not because he's electrifying, it's because he's going to lose Wisconsin if the election was held right now. The well, more people hear from him, the more they like him. And when we look at 2020, we look at 2022, where we won the governor's race for the first time in 60 years with a Democratic president in the White House. We won a governor's race by 3.4 points. It was Wisconsin landslide. Uh, this is a state where Democrats are are well positioned for 2024, especially because the Republican field is so shockingly bad and because President Biden's record driving record low unemployment rates, record job creation, a, really a record that speaks to his connection to working folks in our state. Well, there are polling, like Brian mentioned, that it's roughly about two-thirds of Americans right now feel the country is going in the wrong direction. Uh, to my question earlier, you know, what if there is more Democrats throwing in their hat against to go toe-to-toe -to -toe with Biden. There's always pros and cons of that, right, when there's an incumbent. Do you think there should be more Democrats that step up to the plate because maybe some voters feel Biden is not the strongest candidate? I anticipate total party unity, supporting President Biden as we had in 2020, as we had in 2022 in, in, the, in the 
the governor's race, I think, really exemplifies this. I anticipate we'll have the same thing in 24 because it is not just the Inflation Reduction Act and the Bipartisan Infrastructure Bill and the CHIPS Act that are on the line. It's also this basic question of democracy, whether we should have a president who believes in the Constitution and the, the underlying idea of America as a, as a country where the public gets to choose the leaders rather than leaders overthrowing the views of the public, or whether we should have someone like Trump or now Ron DeSantis running even to his right. Uh, that's a question that I think really will put to the test how much we believe in ourselves as a country. And I, I know that the answer will be uh, we're ready for another four years of, of democracy and, and President Biden. And just last question for you, Brian. Looking at the RNC stage, we're standing in the room. Um, if, you know, former President Donald Trump is the nominee, I guess, what is the challenges for you here in Wisconsin trying to get Republicans excited about him? A lot of the suburban moms who have turned their back towards him and don't want to see him run again. Well, considering the the statewide poll, I don't know who the nominee is going to be, but considering the statewide polling right now shows Donald Trump within a couple of points of Joe Biden, I think the problem that the Democrats have on their end is all the issues that uh, my colleague Ben here just mentioned. The President Biden is upside down on the poll on every single one of those things he just talked about. So the bigger challenge there is is trying to carry through a president and the vice president who the public has already, frankly, said thumbs down to. So we have another, a lot of potential candidates, including uh, Governor Yunkin and Governor DeSantis, both have been here, Nikki Haley, Tim Scott. Um, as I think about our convention coming up in La Crosse in June, um, We'll be able to showcase different candidates for president and different movements there, uh, and the public's going to like what they see. It will sure be a robust time. But first, yes, let's get will. through 2023, yeah, right? Yes. All right. Gentlemen, thank you both for joining me. I really appreciate it. That will do it for this time on Newsmakers. Thanks so much for joining you. us. I'm Emily Bannon. This program was brought to you from the Margaret Farrell Studio. This program is a production of Wisconsin Eye, an independent, nonpartisan, nonprofit media network with a mission to inform, educate, and engage the citizens of Wisconsin. Wisconsin Eye is the nation's first and only independently funded state civics broadcast network, providing gavel to gavel access to government proceedings and events at the state capitol. 